And so you're like, okay, well, the world's falling apart. People need options. People need options that are real, right? And Urbit is just a great option. And it's, it's great in that it's general enough that it's not like a, here's a solution to all of your problems. It's like, here's a place that you can build solutions to your problems. All right, everybody, what's going on? This is the Other Life Podcast. I am Justin Murphy. This episode is one in a whole series all about Urbit. Urbit is a whole new computing and networking paradigm that many of you know I've become very interested in in recent months, really recent years, the past couple of years or so. I think Urbit is just way crazier and way cooler than most people realize. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Urbit and just don't really know about what's going on with it, what it is, and all the cool badass people building Urbit, building things on Urbit, creating on Urbit. And so now the development of the technology is really picking up and moving faster. I decided that when the Urbit annual conference came to town in Austin this past October, that I would sit down with 10 different people all across the network, people who are building the technology, people who are creating on the network, and people just in this culture that still I think a lot of people don't know much about. So I can honestly say this was one of the most interesting experiences I ever had at any kind of conference, to be perfectly honest. I spoke with CEOs. I spoke with engineers. I spoke with e-girls from weird theory Twitter. Like I'm not talking about Instagram chicks. I'm talking about like weird theory girls in, you know, the other life neck of the woods of, of the, the Twitterverse and the blogosphere. I talked with skitzed out writers and post everything podcasters. And very possibly I spoke even with an alien I'm only half kidding. It was just wild, man. It was really, really wild. A really, really interesting set of characters you're about to meet over the next 10 episodes. And I'm just super pumped to bring this series out into the world. So real quick, before I forget, I do want to let you know if you're interested in Urbit, it's now easier than ever to get onto the network. So I actually have a bunch of Urbit planets, aka Urbit ships, pretty much uh, computers in the cloud, an individual computer in the cloud that can be yours. It also functions as your identity, and it's what you use to log onto the network and to use Urbit. So if you want to, I'll give you one. Uh, I have a bunch, and any listener of the show, I want to get you on Urbit. So um, you can just go to imperceptible.computer. I made a whole site just for this purpose. And yeah, drop your email, and uh, I will get you a planet, aka an Urbit ship. All right. Um, depending on whether you're listening to this now or two years from now, uh, there may or may not be some kind of uh, modest fee associated with it. Uh, right now, I'm just giving them out for free. You don't need to have any coding or programming skills or experience whatsoever. It's very straightforward. I will give you your own planet and you'll be on the network playing around talking to people in five minutes, probably. Okay. That's imperceptible.computer. I will put a link in the show notes. That's all from me. Let me get out of the way and on to the show. All right. Anthony, calling in from your sick boat cabin how you doing man very my midwestern midwestern boat yes i'm doing good man i just uh, defeated I covid it. as you as you know so i'm feeling pretty you know i wouldn't say superhuman but it's like i'm definitely feeling like uh i can handle all the bioweaponry thrown at me well congratulations on that and <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. Party. i'm glad you know you now have that sweet natural immunity hopefully yeah, for I, this whole yeah. little while yeah exactly hopefully that's uh Hopefully the oh natural way is uh, is sufficient. I think it is. So. Awesome, awesome. Well, glad to have you, even if it's only remotely. We missed you at the conference, but yeah, I want to start. I, I want to start by talking about the project that you're leading up right now in the urban ecosystem, which is called the Combine. It's basically a startup incubator or accelerator uh, to get businesses built on Urbit. So let's just start with that. Give us a breakdown. What is the Combine? What's the idea there? And where is it at? 
All right, all right, pitch you. So, <laughs> the best, the best way, or the way I think about, <laughs> the best way, because it's the way I think about it, uh, about the combine is kind of like this three-pronged approach. Um, the, yeah, there's video so you can see me gesturing uh, aggressively at the camera. Um, so, so the three-pronged approach, right? So you're trying to kind of like add utility, value, whatever. You're trying to add utility to people who are already on the network, right? So I, I'm assuming, I don't want to assume that everyone here knows everything about Urbit, right? But it's like for right now, for the, uh, the, I would say 95% of the utility of Urbit is using essentially is landscape, which is a sort of a client for, for groups and for group chat, group blogs, stuff like that. So that's kind of the, the, the long pole right now, right? So really the, the, on the, on the user side, the, the idea is that the promise of Urbit is its generality, right? I mean, like mm -hmm. it's kind of cool to have a decentralized discord, right? But that's not the full vision. So we really have to like work on making this more general so that people can do more things on their Urbit. Right? It just seems like obvious, right? And so um, because that's a unique thing about Urbit being its own computer and not just like another kind of account, right? So um, to really reach that that potential, we need we needed software distribution, which just hit, and we're going to need basically organizations dedicated to building games, to building you know. Uh, Web RTC uh, chat, you know, just everything you could possibly imagine. There's gonna be a long period of just looking at like sort of utilities that exist in normal competing stacks and seeing how can we urbitize this, like how can we use some of the interesting things about the namespace. And there's all kinds of little little things we can change that would actually maybe fundamentally change things, right? So like a pseudonym, an actually pseudonymous Google Docs, for example, like if that would be interesting, right? Even even if like 98% of it looked exactly the same. Collaborative editing. Totally. So so there's a that's for the user, right? And so on the, for the user side, we're looking for like adding utility, adding generality to the people, you know, because I mean, people already bought their urban IDs, but we can just imagine that being more and more useful to them, right? So your shit becomes more and more useful, um, which is, I think, a really cool thing. It's not what happens a lot of times. Usually it's like things become more bloated maybe rarely become more useful. Um, so that's kind of for the user. Um, and then on the on the sort of entrepreneur side, the organizational side, the, you know, I'm hoping more kind of like not just traditional organizations, maybe maybe DAOs, maybe some sort of pseudonymous organizations, whatever, teams that are building these products. On that side, the real goal is to make it so that those people can actually make a living working on Urbit all the time. And so this is a thing that right now, a lot of people are just tourists, you know? I mean, they, they, they have another job, whatever, they, but they can't spend their all their time. They can't feed their families working on Urban, right? And there's a few of us that are very, I think, very lucky uh, and have had the unique experience of being able to think about this, you know, full time. And that's, I think, um, that provides you a kind of freedom that is, I think should be extended. So I'm like, a lot of this is actually for the, the organizations that are building these products is to give them the freedom to be like, no, all you do all day is Urbit, right? And you think about Urbit, you live on Urbit, all your friends are on Urbit, you get your information from Urbit, you build your business on Urbit, 
you feed your kids, you know, using wrapped stars or you know, some sort of farm share that you pay for with your stars. And so it's like, this is the dream for me, honestly, a lot of it. I just see how that, the, the fact that I basically live on urban insofar digitally, right, has just improved my life objectively, right? I don't need to kowtow to various, you know, whims of uh, bureaucrats. I don't, and I, and, and just from a creative perspective, it allows you to just be immersed in thinking about one thing, right? Not like spending your day developing Candy Crush and then, you know, neglecting your family to go shitpost on urban, right? It's like, you want them to just be a balanced thing. So that's like how you make a new society, right? It's like you, people have to be able to live there. And so that's the second thing. So it's like utility for users, uh, freedom, really, you know, I'm going to, I just say freedom, fuck it, uh, for, for the creators of the organizations that do this stuff, whatever. And then thirdly, of course, the ability to, for, you know, people who invest in these companies to make money. I mean, it, it's, it's, that's very important, right? So you want Definitely. people to be able to say, I'm, I'm a, I'm a star owner. I'm a galaxy owner. I'm a whatever. I'm just some, you know, crypto rich weirdo. I want to contribute to this and I want to contribute to it in a way that has, you know, is sustainable. So I want to yep. write checks to guys that want to build cool shit on Urbit and I want to get a little bit of that upside. And that's a natural thing to do. And I, it's, it's like, it's, I think, you know, in a project like this, the role of, you know, investment, speculation, blah, blah, it's all very fraught, but in people's minds, I think. Um, of course, but for me, it seems like a net good because you're like the more value those guys have, the more they can pour back into new projects, et cetera. So it's like, there's not like a disconnect in my mind between stars being going up in value and the projects getting funded and then the actual work being better. Right. And so I think that you kind of want all three of those things firing together. And I, I think that like on the, on that, that last part in terms of people investing in the, in the network and the, and the combine being a vehicle through which they can invest in user space, you know, improvements to the network. Um, I think there's a really big opportunity there. Of course, you know, being in at the ground floor of anything is a very big opportunity. And of course, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm biased. I think this is not some sort of shot in the dark. I think that I've been working on this for a long fucking time. Wait, is this a family show? I, I said the F word, but okay. No, it's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, edit it out. Um, I think uh, I've been working, working on this for a long time, and it's clear to me that this is going somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like insofar as there one can make rational predictions about the future, this is not some shit coin, right? This is not some random vaporware thing. I've seen this thing has been running for a long time, right? And so I do think that there is a massive opportunity for people who want to invest, people who want to get on the ground floor of something very exciting. Also, I think there's, there's a big opportunity there. So it's kind of like those three things, like user totally. value, organizational team value, and then investor value. Okay, awesome. Pitch. So that's what awesome. So that's what you're working on right now, building out the combine, getting startups built, getting investors opportunities to invest in. Now, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your backstory and why don't you tell us how how you first kind of entered into Urbit? When did Urbit very first get on your radar and um what was your perception of it in the earliest days that made you kind of think, "Huh, I want to be a part of this." Yeah. Who who the hell are you? Is my <laughs> the question. Yes. 
Um, so let's see my life story. Very complicated. Um, I went to school. It's originally. an interesting story though. <laughs> it's, it's, it's somewhat interesting. I, yeah, you've heard it before, but, um, I, I went to school originally to, to play music. So I was a jazz musician. I grew up in a very nice environment where I did not realize that jazz was like a dead cultural force. You know what I mean? Like I kind of grew up in the, in the suburbs. I was like, no, Miles Davis and John Coltrane are very relevant cultural things. You know, like little did I fucking know, no one cared about jazz, you know, in a broader sense. But in any case, I, I, so I grew up basically playing music, went to college to play music, uh, bass, upright bass. Um, and so I, I did that and that was kind of my mindset, you know, for most of my, most of my life up until probably my twenties or so. And then I, um, you know, eventually you're like, yeah, you know, smoking pot and playing bass all day is fun, but you look at the life of a musician an actual, the actual workaday musician, especially like that kind of stuff. And you're kind of like driving around the San Fernando Valley and you're why, you know, wagoneer with your bass trying to make like. 15 bucks to play at a jingle. It is not glamorous. So I was like, aha, literature and philosophy. That's the glamour shit. You know, so I, I, I changed and I um, basically started to study language and linguistics and just sort of that whole morass of stuff uh, with a graduate school to study comparative literature, actually, which means nothing, uh, as we all know. And, um, and I basically spent a lot of my time studying um hermeneutics basically philosophy i just basically got very into philosophy uh and philosophy specifically of aesthetics and language you know this sort of stuff continental philosophy you've got educated listeners you know they know these terms right so basically gotten into philosophy um and then specifically i was interested in uh the work of the italian futurists and the their impact on the arts you know broadly speaking which is of course monumental right like what we the aesthetics that we think of as contemporary art modern art was basically invented by the futurists and then just sort of like shot around the world um and so i was very interested in that and i got interested of course in the philosophical underpinnings of the futurist movement which are quite at odds with you know what the clement greenbergs of the world probably think and so um i think uh so i got interested that's kind of how I got interested in Nietzsche and Gentili and these sorts of one might say kind of vitalist um, thinkers. Uh, I think I was actually interested in Nietzsche before that because my, my advisor was a Germanist. So I was into all that shit, you know, uh, Herder awesome. and, and Kant, anyway, whatever, German people. Um, and then of course, Nietzsche being the kind of like fruition of that. And so I got interested in that. So I, I already kind of had this mindset where I was looking at technology in this sort of vital, from like a vitalist perspective, um, mm. which is to say, from my perspective, that means like, you know, I, I think a lot of discourses about technology are more, they're Hegelian, essentially, right? It's sort of like science is mm. progressing. Technology is sort of a growth, an epiphenomenon of science. and so technology is just going along and we're supposed to kind of fucking deal with it, you know? Um, and I think that, you know, Marxist Marxism comes out of that, you know, that, but that's kind of like a, more of a Hegelian perspective. Um, mm -hmm. and so, I mean, the means of production is, is just technology, right? So I think, um, uh, I was already kind of interested in the different, a differing perspective, which is that like, you know, no, basically, right. It's, it's obvious. It's just like, 
technology, I mean, just in some ways, it's the most basic idea of technology, which is that they are tools made by people and they're defined by the values and et cetera of those people. And so the kinds of technology built by people that are titanic world conquering whatever is different than the kinds of technology that are built by the kinds of people that just want to make, you know, soylent pods and make everyone comfortable type stuff. So it's like you just have, but but it's not determined, it's not, it's not overdetermined by the geist or the fucking technology science or anything like that. It's literally an artistic project, right? All all technology is kind of this ours. It's an art. It's not a science. And so uh, contrary to what the STEM lords would have you believe, that's not not the case. Um, And so I was already interested in technology. That was kind of my perspective, right? But I was like, okay, well, that's great, but I'm a fucking impotent graduate student who's like, you know, comparison shopping beans at the supermarket. My little dented, so it's less money. Now, as a poor, it been broke. I, I had no, who cared what I thought? You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't matter. What am I going to do? Fucking write a seminar paper? Right. You know, it's like, and so I kind of was like, that was my mindset. I'm sort of like, fuck. Um, this is a long answer to your question. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going. No, um, no, it's it's really good. It's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So, Please. so um, I'm just there. I'm like, well, you know, w- just having thoughts about this is very little impact. And this is not what Nietzsche would do, basically. Would not just be like, oh, look at my thoughts. Um, and so I was like, well, what do I know how to do? You know, I was a musician, so I was actually very, very comfortable if, with um, uh, certain scripting languages that I'd use to make computer music. Generative, I made a whole bunch of generative kind of like RD music. So, okay, well, I got that. I know how to write some shitty Python. Okay. So I started there. I'm like, okay, well, what do I know about? I know about language, I know about linguistics. And I, so I started taking computational linguistics classes. Uh, which was just a hilarious experience because you're just with, there with these like computer people that have no concept of like, they, they don't even consider the idea of like the sort of, of like semantics as being a question. You know, they don't understand that like meaning is a, co- is a complicated thing. They're like, Oh, you know, it's like if, if, if website says, you know, uh, Viagra enough times, then it mean then it must be about Viagra. It's like, this is like the kinds of shit that they're doing. Right. Like literally taking a string of words and chopping it up and counting how many words. It's like, it was sad at the time. So I was like, well, fuck, I could, you know, I could write a, pro- I could like write that program, you know, split a sentence on the white space and count the time it says Viagra. Fuck, I can do that. So I started getting into that kind of programming. Later became natural language processing, various other machine learning type shit, none of which is rocket science, you know? Um, and so that's kind of like what I got into, uh, technologically. And so I was like, at some point I was like, well, I'm pretty good at this, honestly, and I'm good at bullshitting. So I'm like, well, it seems like that's what you do in the private sector, right? So I ended up getting a job, dropping out of graduate school, uh, never completed, and people can wait for my dissertation, maybe I'll complete it my, my old age. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I, I ended up getting a job sort of working as, um, as a natural language processing programmer. Um, doing kind of um, you know, basic data mining shit, text analysis, stuff that like, I just sort of was at the right place at the right time um, in a lot of ways. And I also, a lot of the stuff I worked on, I, I could bring a different perspective. I was like, okay, well, you know, I do know a thing or two about philosophy of language enough to, you know, to, to, to point out to you that this is not as simple as you think it is, that stuff. Um, okay, and, and then did, did you just like 
did you just like bump into Curtis somewhere or something? Or <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so you want to talk about Irving? You you actually want to know about Irving? Yeah. So so I was doing that various you know capacities, and at the time, you know, ultimately became a manager because I can string two words together. You know, like most most engineer yeah. at that level, like most engineers don't want to manage. So you're like sort of like actually you got caught the holding the short straw, right? So they're like everyone's like he he managed. Anyway, so I was sort of working in that regard. Work with some very cool people. It's a very interesting project. Um, and then I basically was just perusing Hacker News one day. And you want to talk about the opposite of the vitalist approach to technology. It's like Hacker News, right? It's like Hacker News is, is the worst. Um, and so I would just like, hey, why? read it. Mm, why? Interesting. That's a very interesting question. Um, why JavaScript? Probably. But I, I guess the, the, the real answer is that it's, it's just Reddit, right? I mean, it's just spiritually Reddit. It's kind of got this. Um, the 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 implicit morality of Hacker News. Well, I mean, that's, there's plenty of fine shit, you know. So whatever. It's the comments that are the yeah. worst, right? It's like the actual links. I mean, who cares? But like the the the. Well, there's two things actually. Let's put it this way. One is like that. The the yeah, the implicit morality is just kind of like this Reddit sort of. I don't even know how to describe it. Just kind of like default world. Just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like high school shit. Yeah, like smug, smarmy. Yeah, yeah. It's a, com- it's a combination of like zero introspection. I mean, because with all these people, everything is moral, right? Nietzsche would hate this shit. It's like it's, everything is a fucking moral issue, right? It's like right. what Ruby package you use is like a, it's like just like, it's just like <laughs> talking to old ladies, you know? And, and then that, <laughs> but, but then it's like if someone was like, because they are right at some level, right? Everything is an ethical issue at least. But if I was dealing with people who like had, had done a lot of introspection and thought about those, you know, the morality of such thing, then that, that would at least be an interesting conversation. But you're not. You're dealing with someone who just like got some sort of morality injected in their like lizard brain and is now just smugly talking about it. It's just pathetic, you know. Anyway, the other thing is that it's like it read or read it Hacker News is like there's a there's this idea of the programmer as a service provider. This is the thing that I actually really dislike is mm. the idea that it's sort of like this shitty stack that everyone uses, right? Where it's like the, the the JavaScript shit just changes like every two weeks, and so you need a programmer just to keep things keep the rickety structure kind of together. And so you have these people that think about themselves not as like, I somebody built my fucking fence. He built it and then he left. He's not going to be like, oh, can I please <laughs> maintain your fence? You know, it's like, it, it's just like, it's just a yeah. different mindset. And I think like Hacker News just has a lot of that, like just the constant churn of, of just spurious garbage that's just constantly, that's what most programmers do, right? And it creates this class of person that is like this kind of service provider. That's just like a, it's just a constant, or, you know. Good. Yeah one 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 might even call it a slave morality. It, one might if one were so inclined. Uh, I'm sure there's a more uh, PC term for that now. Um, well, I said it, not you. Se- secondary, yes. Second, yeah. You know, GitHub changed their default. You you know this GitHub's no. like uh, the default main branch in git is called the master 
there is no slave. Right. It's just that's called master. And that's just it. So, and then they, there was like this big, this is like, this is the clown where we live. There's big, you know, committees were convened to decide what the new name, and now it's Maine. But it's just a hilarious thing because like every once in a while, I just still, like my fingers are, 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 are thought criminal. I, I just, I just put the wrong thing in <laughs> and I'm sure that that error goes to some central CIA. Okay. Uh, Fascinating. Sorry, Fascinating. I, so, so anyway, I, fa- so, I found, that was urban, a very, I found yeah, urban that was on very good. That was a good digression. Yeah. And then, and so I'm like, okay. And they, they all hate it, of course, or hated it. I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but they hated it. And I was like, well, if these people fucking hate it, there must be something to it. And I knew nothing at that point about Curtis, about any of this mold bug stuff, which I read much later, and I was like, "Yeah, this is not very impressive." From my, for, you know, from my back, I studied a lot of stuff. So I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." You reinvented something. And it's, it's sort of a hilarious Rube Goldberg reinvention of something, but it's like um, I didn't know anything about that. I mean, I just knew that this everything I just said about Hacker News is like the opposite is Urban, right? I mean, just like the even just down to like it'll be finished and we'll all be done, you know. Like Master Morzad and uh, Wickdev Wizright are going to finish Arbo and then they're going to go to the beach. It's like they're not going to just fucking be there starting a consultancy to keep your website running and shit. It's just like that, I think, really appealed to me. And the idea that it's just like the idea that it was just so idiosyncratic and it just still is so idiosyncratic because I think that these things are art. And like I was saying before, it's like, it's not like, I, I, I mean, I could argue with a lot of people about this, about, but it's sort of like, there's not a right answer. Engineering is not about rightness. It's about workingness, right? People forget that scientists, engineers who think they're scientists are some of the worst engineers in my experience. But you're sort of like, at some point, someone is making decisions based on trade-offs and et cetera. And so, and so I was really impressed. I mean, I mean, you talk about, oh, I want to build a new operating system from scratch. Cool. You know how many fucking medium posts there are about how one would do such? There's a lot, you know? But to Curtis's, whatever anyone thinks about Curtis, Curtis wrote a blog post and then got something fucking running. And everything about it has little shortcuts and things things he didn't solve. And this, he just, you know, because he just like was got it done. And getting a operating system to run is a non-trivial thing at any operating system, not like a good operating system, right? And so the fact that he did all this and it worked was very impressive to me, you know? And it wasn't just a sort of like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, look at my PDF, uh, you know, give me $10 million type thing. And so that I I think was very impressive to me. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's great. Fascinating. And so... How do you think about the bull case for Urbit now? Like when you look at the prospects for Urbit for mass yeah. adoption and for and for the growth of this network to potentially overthrow the internet as we know it. Yeah. How do you see that bull? How do you how do you reason through that? How do how do you see the bull case? I think people would be interested to hear your perspective. Well, I think that it's it's very simplistic. Honestly, it's that the world has moved to urbit um the world has everything's about timing i mean that's a we don't want to admit that right we're like oh i made the best plan and they executed on i made a fucking vision board and it's like no 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 
if the timing is bad, it does not matter what you do, right? And I think this is something that I felt intuitively as soon as I saw Urban. I was like, the world is going to need this, or at least enough of the world is going to need this, that it's going to become more of a force simply by virtue of existing. Right. So it's not like really that like moving orbit towards the world. It's the world just having faith. And I don't even think it was like I was in some sort of whatever. You look at the world, right, in the 2016, 2015. Like, of course, it's, everything is falling apart. Everything was falling apart then. And it's like anyone who thought it was going to stop falling apart is an idiot. Right. Because that's not how things go. And so you're like, OK, well, the world's falling apart. People need options. People need options that are real. Right. And Urban is just a great option. And it's, it's great in that it's general enough that it's not like a, here's a solution to all of your problems. It's like, here's a place that you can build solutions to your problems, which I think is actually puts right. it in a good position, right? It's not like as simple as like, okay, you know, Clown World 1.0 is falling apart. Here's Clown World 2.0. I suggest to you. It's not real, right? That's not how, that's not natural. And so I think that right. my, all of my, my um, my sort of bullishness about Urbit comes from that. This comes from just like looking at how the world is progressing and how, how structure, all these structures are just falling apart and with nobody pushing them. You know, it's like, that is, no one right. has to worry about this stuff. It's just wait. And so, and that right. combined with the fact that it's real. And this is the thing, it's like, it's like people underestimate how hard it is to make a real fucking thing. Not an idea not a pitch, you know, it's, it's like, this is real and it's been real for a long time, you know, and I know enough about it to know what its constraints are. And none of its constraints are that it doesn't run, you know? And that's the thing is like, we're dealing with a world where it's like all the other options, things that would benefit from the current, you know, ongoing train wreck is, are, are not real really you know it's like they have right weird construction I mean, that's not true i mean it's funny funny that are real right but i mean like there's plenty of, of of ideas that are just still ideas and i think that's like it just bespeaks people a, a non-engineering mentality right i think it's like if you're an engineer you're trying to get something running you know and i don't even just i mean on computers it's like getting something to work is difficult and it's difficult in ways that you can't anticipate that doesn't do with being like right. You know, it's like if anyone who's picked a motorcycle can know that like you can be right. Oh, I all my but like there's it's not running. So who gives a shit if you're right? right? Right. It's like it's either running or it's not. Oh, it turns out I gotta like my fucking carburetor jet's a little weird and there's a manufacturing defect. Like that's engineering to my mind, right? And so the fact right. that Urbit is real and has a real team, it has real people who are we're in, we're into this. We're, this is our lives. You know, this is not some, right. like, I'm not trying to fucking, you know, pump this and, you know, escape to Singapore or some shit. Like, this is my life. Right. Right. And there's, <laughs> and, I, and I'm and, the least, I'm the least of these people, you know? And so I think that that to me is what makes it like it, 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 me bullish is that the time is right. And we have the, the capacity to you know, jam it in there and break it off. And that's the kind of thing where totally that, those are the two things you need, right? You need timing and capacity. So we got it. Totally. I, I agree with all of that. I think when you talk about the world coming to Urbit, 
look at the salience of privacy concerns are through the roof right now. This yeah. is a mass popular, very, very popular sentiment. If you look at usage of things like Signal or DuckDuckGo, like people are voting with their yeah. behaviors. They yeah. really do value privacy and, and they are moving towards what's going to give them more privacy. And also, the, obviously, the censorship stuff is really, oh, yeah. really salient right now, too. P- people do not like the idea that there are these tech overlords who can just kind of kick someone off the platform. And so I think the salience of these two things is rising very organically oh, yeah. and, and dramatically. And of course, uh, you know, Urbit fixes both of those things in, in a very, very foundational um, way. So yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. I, yeah, I, I think there was something that happened. I mean, it, this is so great. I mean, t- I love to see this. Like I have these sort of like intuitions and to see how they shake out in reality is always fun, you know, because th- whatever anyone thinks about COVID, certainly the information environment ha- is fucking garbage. It's like the worst possible thing, right? And right. You, and every and what's interesting is that like that everyone knows that everyone knows that, right? It's like and and, and that's like a non quote unquote partisan thing, and so. To see, the question is always like, how quickly are normal people going to see and be concerned about some of these issues, right? Because for a while, everyone's like, oh, well, it's just going to be like, you know, wing nuts. In which case, you're like, how many wing nuts, you know, can you fit on the network? It's like, not that many. So you, need, you need more, you need these concerns to be generalized. And so what's interesting about it, the COVID sort of information environment, just fuckery, is you just see everyone immediately sees that there's a problem here. Everyone sees that like weird Twitter, you know, smoking warning, or it's just like, and you're just an average person. You're just like, dude, what is, you know, it's like, what's happening? This is, you know, you're just not, right. you're not trying to like fucking, you know, trade racist memes. You're just like sitting there being like, what do I do? You know, it's like, what am I doing? And so the fact that that, that concern became generalized to all these people, I mean, that's, just like that's what I mean about the world coming to us. It's just like who could have foreseen such a thing? Who, what marketing team totally. could have invented COVID? You know, to to give us this sort of uh, object lesson. Not that we did that, by the way. Totally, we did not do that. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I also agree with what you said before about just the the sheer amount of time that people have been working on this. People have been working on this for so long, and when you see that, when you see really cool, smart people working on something that they're passionate about. Not just that they're passionate about, but that they've been putting in years and years of effort yeah. on it. Yeah, it really, it really does send a totally different signal than like the next kind of flashy startup or whatever. Yeah. It's like, well, it it really is. Uh, I I agree that that's a good point uh, to be bullish on Urbit for as well. So you've been thinking a lot about businesses on Urbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what you're working on the most at the moment. I would love to talk a little bit about the landscape for for building businesses on Urbit. I'd like to discuss a little bit about what you see as the biggest opportunities like are there particular business opportunities that you think are especially exciting and that are right for the taking that maybe you want to share with the audience maybe give some people ideas that we certainly have some engineers and potential founders maybe former founders people who you know want to build things so give us a sense of what are the most exciting opportunities and next steps that are right for the taking uh, in terms of building businesses in the urban ecosystem yeah so so but i could talk about this for a long time so um but part of it is I don't, I don't want to give the impression that like I know how to make money, and if you, uh, you know, if you send me five ninety five, I'll tell you how to, you know, I don't have oh, yeah, no, just I don't your, have like a, a cash of yeah. cash of business plans. I think a lot of that stuff is gonna 
part of the reason that we're, we want to fund these people and we want to do it and not have them beholden to kind of like a normal normie VC old world way of thinking is we know that I kind of what I want to do when I start a fund a company is see how they answer that question kind of in real time, right? And so in terms of revenue is what I mean. So it's like, I, I, that's part of what we're experimenting. It's like, you might think you're building a node app, but you're also building a node app and sort of testing the market and, and seeing this kind of stuff. So I don't want to give you the impression that we have all the figured out, but sure. in terms of like the way I see it, and this is going to sound kind of maybe obvious, is that Urbit is very group oriented in a lot of ways, right? And and you see, and there's lots of things fundamentally about the platform that make that very easy. And so, I mean, I'm not sure how much everyone knows about, about programming or Urbit in particular, but what's really cool about Urbit, and this has to do with the, the namespace, meaning like, you know, all of our handles, um, is that from any program anywhere, I can send, it's trivial for me to send a message to another ship and not worry about how it gets there, et cetera, encryption, blah, blah. So it's very easy to make a networked application. That's almost the default way to make an application. And that's not how a lot of computer you know, programming stuff works by default. And so that's a really been a huge benefit. And that's why a lot of the sort of things about Urbit are you go on Urbit, you chat with your friends, right? Because chatting is the most obvious you know, group peer-to-peer -peer thing. But there's millions of jillions of, of, of variations on that right um so there's always been that idea of like group mode right and the things that one does in a group and i think the what i'd like to see and is that basically right now those groups are considered are, are very primitive um as a data structure right it's sort of like we have a group of three and you know uh, justin's an admin and i'm not an admin and there's sort of this kind of basic stuff. But really what I've seen is you see groups that are that are quite large, maybe not even quite large, very devoted, right? So like a group that'll have like 50 people, 30 members of which are on there all fucking day, right? And the thing is, what I'd like to see and, and is for these groups to be given the, the tools to move beyond simply being a list of, of other ships, right? And so what that means is like internal governance tools. And this actually ties back to, I think you asked a question about, about um, uh, Ethereum and, and the, the, the sort of like how, how Urbit actually completes what a lot of Ethereum would like to do, right? So it's like you think about oh, yeah, we talked about that before we started before we started recording. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned that. Yeah. So you mind if I just slip in and uh, sure. an object yeah, example? Please. So when someone tries to DAO, right? And I, I like to point this out. Urbit is run by a DAO called the Galactic Senate that was around before this term was even a fucking thing, right? So we win. But it's sort of like the the when someone tries to DAO in current world. It's like they have to write a suite of smart contracts to like vote what movie to watch type shit. Like it's like they're they're literally reinventing the wheel with this very, I mean, actually also very uh, potentially security hole ridden thing, right? It's like you're getting an audit on a contract to allow you and your friends to vote what kind of pizza you're gonna get, 
It's like, this is not how it has to be, right? But they have, right. but it's kind of cool in that they do have explored this idea of like, me and a group of friends want to buy a star together, right? So how do we right. do this? How do we make it all atomic? Like, how do we actually just make it so that there's no administrative overhead, that kind of shit, which I think is great. Right. The problem is that what they're doing it with is just like a, it's like a chainsaw to a knife fight. Because you don't really need mm. everybody in the entire fucking world to know, you know, the global state of, of Ethereum, everyone in the world to know what you and I voted on to get pizza. It's like, this doesn't stupid. And so, mm-hmm. but I do think that the concept of the DAO, as people have been thinking about it, meaning, you know, basically pseudonymous decentralized organizations that are not, you know, that don't have a, an at no central point of failure, I think. Urbit groups that are now just for chatting and shitposting, whatever, could very easily become that, right? Up to and including all of the guarantees that that current DAO tooling gives you, right? But with much lower overhead. So you're talking about basically, you could have a DAO of, you know, people that are just, they don't know shit about any of this stuff, but th- their DAO is now just like a few checkboxes in their group, um, administration panel in landscape and now they have an easy way to vote they have an easy way to tie certain actions to votes etc and so and so and 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 since we have that we we are for better or for worse we're 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 tied into ethereum because of our pki we already have and we have all these bitcoin um uh integrations it's like we're already in a position to have something where it's sort of like you can take real world at least real world crypto actions based on let's say votes within a within a DAO, within a within a group so i think things right. moving landscape groups to something more like DAOs is a huge area that i think would be an amazing there's so much cool stuff to be done there and making totally. that just like tooling that's just like making it so people can start a credit union, people can start uh, you know, an investment syndicate, people can start all this shit and just have it be seamless for users. And just and 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 you know, you can imagine the UX of it's really interesting. Like how do you make it simple but like kind of infinitely extensible for someone who's really deep? Like that's a really interesting UX question. So all that shit group mode can just go so far. We have so much stuff we can do. And that's when you're talking about, right? Like you and your bros have a, a a REIT, you know, you guys own land. It's like, this is, we're talking about, we could just go on forever. And that's like some space right. and shit. And then the second one is that like right now, since Urban is so group focused, I think a lot of the kind of personal, like single, we call single player usage has been a little bit like um, not explored. And so I think about this a lot because I, I'm a musician. I use a lot of music software. It's like music software is not networked. It's like, I don't want to fuck it. I just want to like do my thing, right? But there's so much that one can do with the sort of personalized, the, the fact that your ship is yours. You can keep all, all this stuff in it forever, blah, blah, blah. It's like that kind of stuff can make it so you can have creative tooling that we have can't even imagine, right? Because all creative tooling that exists now is is for everybody. It's not for just you. <clears throat> and so I think that's that's another place that we can do a lot of work. You know, just see, and I say creative, so you know, I, people think about that like, oh, you know, whatever, like fucking, you know, Photoshop. But like Photoshop's a big business. You know, like like cr- making all this stuff, like there's a lot of a lot of a lot of uses, and I think more so now 
for, for sort of creative software. And I, like I said, I think that we have an opportunity oh, yeah. to read like a Figma. Yeah. I mean, just, just all that shit. And we have an opportunity to rethink a lot of that stuff. And so it's sort of like, like right. I said, it's, it's, the, the breakdown is almost simplistic. It's like, I want to do better for groups and I want to do better for single players in mode, you know? Um, right. But those are the kind of two I, things that I think. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I, I, I agree. I think the tooling for DAOs is immediately ready basically because if you if you if you look at like the collab land bot on discord that yeah. does a lot of the 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 crypto mediation on discord it's just a bot that basically checks uh for uh crypto holdings among the users within groups so, yeah. so it, al- it allows you to basically paywall things in your discord uh using this kind of automated system it's very clunky it's yeah. very uh kind of awkward uh, awkward and very suboptimal but all it's really doing is providing this this service to uh, paywall things within your Discord, according to how much of a certain token or an NFT yeah. that you hold in your wallet, yeah. building that building that on Urbit right now would probably be profitable pretty quickly because yeah. you just like what Collab Land does is I think they just take like a small fee on on the transactions or something like that. Yeah. Um, however, however, you, however you want to set up the the point of payment, yeah. Um, I think that could be that could be profitable very quickly because right now Discord is supporting all this weight of, yeah. of Web three DAOs and and projects and stuff like that, but it's really not fit to purpose. It really sucks actually, and it's and it's obviously not philosophically aligned with yeah. Um, the yeah, principles precise. and precise. the philosophies that 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 people are so passionate about in crypto. So I think as soon as there's a tool, as soon as there's an app in the in the in the Urbit grid where you can download to your group some kind of uh, crypto paywall for for your groups, you take that business that builds that. Takes a small fee on transactions or something like that. I think that could be profitable really quickly. So I, I hope to see that uh, yeah. very soon. Yeah, I think I, and it's also so, just funny okay. to like think about stuff like that where it's like there are so many things in this like small little that just some of the DAO stuff that's just clearly duct taped together. It's just clearly all this shit right. that, and you're just like look at a way like the best thing about Urban is it's built from the ground up, so we can say. We could just integrate all these things, just get rid of all the duct tape. And it would actually be simpler, less buggy, et cetera. And so there's a lot of opportunities like that. Just like what, what, what are ways that we can basically integrate things that are currently just like this like thicket of APIs sometimes talking about them? Right. Absolutely. So, Anthony, you alluded before to the Galactic Senate. Uh, Urbit has uh, this very interesting kind of governance structure uh, that's a hierarchy where there's a, a relatively small number of galaxies at the top of the hierarchy. There's 256 galaxies, and then galaxies spawn stars, stars spawn planets, and then planets can spawn moons. And so the address space that is associated with the galaxies is basically top of the pyramid, as I said. And I think a lot of people have interesting questions about this. I think it's, it remains rather mysterious to a lot of people. Yeah. And I think people have some misconceptions around it as well. Yeah. Uh, some people, you'll often hear people, you'll often hear people say that, uh, you know, this just reflects Curtis Jarvin's uh, maniacal, uh, you know, monarcho-fascist uh, yeah. scheme for the, for the future of, of the world or something like this. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, it's the, the it, it's basically a Senate, right? So the 250 yeah. galaxies, um, when push comes to shove, they have to vote on any major major changes to to the architecture of the network. Um, maybe you could help just unpack for the audience a little bit because I think I believe I believe you yourself have a seat on, on the Galactic Senate. Is I that do. Right? I do. Maybe you can help unpack for us how you think about how you think about that that hierarchy and the politics there. What are some misconceptions or 
Um, what do people need to know about that that they might not know about it? Okay, interesting. So basically, I mean, it's funny to me that people hear this. I mean, maybe this is on purpose, right? But they they, they hear that you have a group of people that can vote and the franchise is limited. I guess that's the problem, right? Is that not everyone, because they can fog a mirror, can, can vote. Um, I think that's, it's also funny to point out that this is like basically just a republic. I mean, this is literally just the Republican system. Right, right. It's like right. not some random, it's actually very basic, right? In that you have 256 people <coughs> that can vote, um, pseudonymous addresses, um, some of which are actually whole, whole, held by multiple people. So they have like a multi-sig, you know, so there is already within the, some galaxies, there is a distribution of the franchise, even within that. Um, and this body, the, the Senate, can vote based on two kinds of things. The first is an actual upgrade from one version of the Constitution to another one. And so this is basically um, done in the case of you want to make some, you find a bug. I mean, obviously, you're like, oh, shit, I got to. So it's very important. You know, a lot of early people didn't do this, right? They didn't have some sort of upgrade mechanism. Um, Finding a bug, changes to the address space. Uh, for example, you know, if you're going to do some stuff that, like we're doing um, L2, which is going to basically make it so that it's cheaper to spawn planets, which is point for democracy, right? It's like that. Those kinds of upgrades need to basically sometimes require upgrades to the actual constitution itself, and so that is one form of of um, of uh, resolution that can be voted on. And is 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 the Constitution is that a smart contract? Or yeah. What are you referring to exactly? Yeah, it's a smart it is. contract. Um, okay. It's actually kind of an interlocking suite of smart contracts. But really, what you're doing, you're voting, is you're voting. Okay. Well, you should use this address. Let's use this address. Type thing. So, not to be taken right. lightly, and it's like these votes hopefully don't happen very often. <clears throat> the other kind of of um, of resolution, are, I think, are actually they're actually called resolutions, which is just like. They vote. We vote on a hash of a document, and so these are like non-binding type things, but they're actually very important. A lot of times, for example, um, just a trivial example is like some of the investment that we took early on required that we hit certain milestones, and so the way that we signal that we've hit these milestones, so we have a Senate vote on a document that says we have done X, Y, and Z. We've got this audited. Blah blah. Right. And so sometimes it's, it's kind of a nice, soft way to it's like, you know, the Constitution upgrade is very technical. It's very hard. It's like you, you don't fuck that up. And the stuff like the resolutions which are can be used in this kind of thing. Good interfaces in the legal world, actually, just the normal legal world, because you can say, you know, basically prove that we all attest a certain statement, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And so. Those are kind of the two main things that the Senate votes on. And so, but the the interesting thing is that, you know, I'm not sure if I want to make too many examples to real world political situations or, or configurations, right? But generally, when you have a Republican system, um, the senators represent not only the formal power within the, like our shitty system, sorry, 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 America. Yeah, I'm edgy. Uh, it's like, you know, you have just this sort of dumbass bureaucrat that has no personal power, we would hope, actually, right? I don't want, you know, Mitch McConnell to have like a militia, really, right? You're sort of like, 
but you know, but that's all got its own problems, right? But it's sort of like we have a system that totally separates this sort of like I would say real power and you know nominal sort of political power. Um, Mm. that's not a traditional Republican system, right? Generally, that's kind of why you have landholders is because like they represent a stake in the real political economic life of the group that we're discussing, right? Where I'm not just like some parasite, you know, beltway creature. I'm like, I'm a person that has a, a, you know, I I own a state, right? And I'm like, I really want my state to do blah, blah, blah. So, um, So this is the way in which the urban method is like that older way, right? So the the galaxies also have real power. And that real power is that they are, for the most part, the top of, they are one of the tops of the address of the routing hierarchy. So they help uh, interstate commerce, basically, right? They basically route packets between one another. So it's like, if I'm a galaxy and you're a galaxy, I want to stay on good terms for you because I want your people to talk to my people. I will talk to your people, whatever. And that happens at the software level, right? And so we have to support the same software because we don't have to. Sorry, we should have support the same software because we don't have to. Because I, as a Galaxy, basically define certain uh, software distribution things to my my little part of the hierarchy. And so my veto as a Galaxy holder is I don't distribute a new software update to my little corner of the of the universe which right. blocks the, you see what I'm saying so there's like actually that's like the real power and so th- these things together kind of define what the what the senate can do so one can imagine that right. a lot of the senate's like actual votes are like relatively straightforward and they don't happen very often but the senate still gets together every few months because it's like oh shit there's some update coming up how are we going to roll it out do we think it's a good thing for all the galaxies blah blah right and that might not be decided in a formal vote way but it might it still needs a sort of like collection of peers who are the you know okay represent that great does that make sense so that that's a great prime yeah absolutely that's a great primer fills in a lot of i think that last part about the real distribution power is often like people don't think about that but that's actually the bulk of what the galaxies do is make sure that their their little corner of the address hierarchy is well maintained right got it so what happens in a scenario where there's a really divisive disagreement among the galactic senate so let's say we reach a point where there there's some polarizing problem that needs to be solved and 51% of the Galactic Senate thinks Urbit should go in one direction and 49% thinks it should go in a different direction. What happens then to, to the network? It, is there a possibility of some kind of like hard fork where there's two Urbits? Does one half of the network get uh, kind of shut out of uh, what happens? Well, it kind of depends what the disagreement at what level it is, right? Um, let's just assume for for the for the fun of the discussion, assume it's something foundational. Okay, let, let's just assume it has to do with with at, with um, networking, right? Because it's like it's like yeah. sort of like organizational shit. It's like not real. I mean, it's, right? it's like I just the everything about Urbit is sort of like makes it very difficult for the galactic side to be seized by some evil force, and everyone on Urbit has to whatever to, to, you know comply with some social rule. So the, probably the worst thing 
would be that one part of the network changes its way it uh, sends AIMS packets, networking packets, and the other part doesn't. And then you have just sort of like, you would have a split where one half of the network couldn't speak to the other half of the network, which would be unfortunate, of course. Um, the thing, the, the, the real ripcord there is that everybody in the address hierarchy can escape. So it's like, if I'm like, like, let's say I'm one of these recalcitrant senators and I'm like, fuck it, AIMS 1.0 is great, AIMS 2.0, I'm not going to speak AIMS 2.0. Sorry, all of my, you know, denizens, you know, you just have to suffer with my hard-headedness. Well, they don't, because basically with an Ethereum transaction, they can move, they can literally just move their planet to be routed by a different senator that you'd or, or uh, okay. in, that, right. that, that they think is more sort of amenable. So that, that's the, the nice thing, right? Is that there's that there's the exit possibility. And that really changes the dynamics quite a bit. And one can imagine that, you know, it's like you don't want all your people leaving if you have some sort of, you know, it's just like you don't want is if you're a shitty senator and everyone leaves, but it's not reflect well on you, you know. So, right. So basically if they're yeah, it, it does actually. So if there is a big disagreement about how things should move forward among the Galactic Senate, there could be uh, strong differences and one half of the Galactic Senate could choose to go in a different direction. But ultimately, the the populace of Urbit, uh, the, the entire citizenry would vote with their feet, basically. And yeah. if you're... If you're in the half of the Galactic Senate, let's say let's say you're you're a Galaxy owner owner, and your idea is being kind of evacuated, right? You you have a certain position, but your people are flocking yeah. to the other half. Then you have to kind of throw up your arms and yeah. be like, okay, well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna accept the the voting of the people yeah. because if not, then you just have an you just all you own is an empty network, right? Yeah, precisely. And and so this is the kind of it, stuff where right. it's like. This is the, I mean, you want the franchise to be extended, I think. Um, and you want it to happen kind of by that mechanism, sort of like where you're like, oh shit, how are people going to react to this? Like, you know, how are they, I want to poll my people to see how they're going to feel about a certain change, for example. Right. So it's not, not only is it not monarchical and not fascist, it's actually by definition Republican and quite democratic in, yeah. in the long run yeah interesting okay great and I, think I have one final question on, on <laughs> i have one final question on this which i think is just interesting to think through a lot of people look at the current political situation today on the on the big social media platforms you know there's a lot of so-called cancellation people getting fired for saying something that's not that bad or people getting kicked off of platforms because they you know don't tow the the party line or the orthodoxy I think it's interesting to think through how this would or would not play out in Urbit, right? Because there is this idea in the Urbit system that bad actors can be shut out, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about spammers, this is a kind of classic problem in, in computer science, right? If you want to have a network uh, that's at all healthy, you, you need some uh, foundational controls that are going to prevent people from spamming and just filling up the network with, with, with bullshit. And so... In some way, there are mechanisms for removing bad actors, basically from 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 relevancy and, and from congesting up the network. Yeah. Some people listening to that though might think, "Huh, that's interesting." Doesn't couldn't couldn't that mechanism uh, be applied to you know people whose opinions are don't jive with the consensus? So maybe help help people think through how as Urbit develops, 
could it not be the case that if there's someone in the network who everyone dislikes and 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 the social consensus of of the urban ecosystem just says this person's naughty could could there be a kind of convergence of everyone shutting out the the pariah opinion so the question is like at what level the censorship would happen right and so you getting booted from a group because everyone hates you can happen on Urbit like it can happen anywhere else, right? That doesn't automatically right. boot you from all other groups. It doesn't boot you from Urbit, right? Um, right. And so that's one thing that I hope everyone uses, right? Um, now, the, um, the bigger question of like, could, could your star refuse to route any packets for you? Yes. Absolutely. Um, that seems like a shitty thing to do. And one would hope that there would be a reputation system for stars that would note that, meaning like, hey, guys, just so you know, this guy will, you know, block your planet. In which case, also the <coughs> the blocks planet can find another sponsor. They can exit. So it's sort of like I, you can always exit. You can always find somebody else. Right. And one can imagine there would be just a sort of like galaxy of last resort type thing. But uh, so there's just a lot of it's sort of like one can't prevent. I don't think we I don't want it to be like everyone has to listen to what this asshole is saying. Right. You don't want it to be that. But you don't want this person to be basically kicked off the network as a whole. Right. Because they did in a different context. And so I think it's sort of like all those admin tools exist. Like I said, I, I hope they exist, you know. Like I run a group that's just like mostly for dads, you know, it's like, do I want someone in there just shitting it up? No, I would ban them in a second. Right. Right. And so I, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Does that make sense? And so I think it's sort of like, yeah, there's really no way for someone to kick you off the network per se. Um, right. So basically if, if literally everyone in the world hates what you think and do, then you're shit out of luck. Yeah, you know, yeah, no yeah. one wants to talk to you. Yeah. You're, you're, you're shit out of luck. But the cancellation problems we're seeing today with social media and, and kind of the larger institutional landscape today is really, it's not that it's, yeah, exactly. it's a high, it's a highly vocal minority of people who are very moralistic and, and that's leverage the, yeah. kind of popular, popular um, sentiment to basically push out of the entire network. People who not individuals who everyone organically hates, but individuals yeah. who the small vocal minority hates, and um, it, it just pushes them out completely, even though there are large, relatively large numbers, or let's say non-trivial numbers of people who share those opinions. So basically, uh, all, all the quote-unquote canceled people in the current status quo, they're they're basically kind of blocked from even communicating with each other. And that's yeah. the real problem. In Urbit, you know, there could be one big mainstream, you know, consensus public opinion that cancels a bunch of people. But if there's even, you know, a thousand of them who all have that uh, opinion and interest and set of values, nothing's going to stop them from talking with each other. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's uh, kind of unstoppable and censor proof. Yeah. And I think that that's right. That's more like a, what people actually fear in the sort of cancellation case is not that like the world is against them. It's that a powerful minority is against them. Right. That right. that clothes itself in this sort of ginned up public opinion, which it can muster very easily. That's what social media is, about, is for, is is basically right. shock puppeting things into the being like, oh, the people love dear leader, you know. And so I think that that's 
that's what people are concerned about. And so like that, I'd say is it would be hard to do on Urban for sure. So just one final question on this theme, which I think is very interesting and, and very mysterious to people. What happens, let's say it's 2050 and there's a billion users on the Urban Network and you sometimes see bad actors who are not quite spammers, but they're they're very they're very very dangerous figures, right? Who accrue a lot of power, maybe through systematic lying or systematic manipulation. Who knows what? Yeah. Uh, you just see bad actors gaining a lot of power fast. Maybe it's maybe it's QAnon. Maybe it's the next Hitler. Maybe it's you know David Koresh and uh, the Branch Davidians uh, revivalism. Who knows, right? You yeah. can imagine so many different like like crazy intense mass populist uh, kind of shoot off. Um, efforts, um, you know, to, to 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 basically fork normal society as we know it in whatever crazed direction someone wants to, right? Um, what happens when one of those actors owns a galaxy and they so they have a large number of people who um, they they can support a kind of censor proof, unstoppable uh, community uh, and and or and set of organizations, uh, but all of pretty much everyone else in the network sees them as. Uh, a, a public threat, maybe even a threat to society, maybe even a threat to the world. Maybe that wow. you know, in a very is, late stage, amazing, crazy, amazing group of people. Maybe in a, you know, you know, in a, well, well, I mean, look, like global risks are are crazy, right? So, like, maybe because branch the branch Davidians, all they stockpiled were guns, right? But maybe in 2050, they're stockpiling DIY nuclear weapons for some kind of like uh, suicide cult, right? Who knows, right? I'm just thinking it through. What happens if one of those projects actually actually has its own galaxy? Uh, do I'm just curious, like how you think that through? Are there um, are there plugs to be pulled in extreme cases, or no, or or how do you think that through? Well, um. If there was this sort of branch Davidian uh, galaxy, uh, eco-fascist, bioterrorist branch Davidian, um, so first of all, one two hundred fifty-six of the ga- of the Senate is nothing; doesn't matter, right? Uh, so that's one thing. So, like on that level, doesn't doesn't matter. Um, on the real level, if people were really like, we don't want anything to do with these people. It's very easy to blacklist an entire galaxy from your galaxy. Meaning, if this was like, I don't want to even make up a galaxy. Let's say Zod gets captured. You know, I don't want to offend any of my fellow senators, but um, Zod gets captured by the David Crush 2.0. It's like, I can blacklist everyone from Zod from my galaxy if I wanted to. Um, if, right. if my people thought that was in their best interest, right? Or if the sort of like, you know, the, the the denizens of my galaxy. So that's, I mean, I think that's a, a kind of a not, I don't worry about this scenario a lot, but that, that works as well. You can just black right. up an entire galaxy. Right. Uh, I guess though, you know, they, they would still have all of that address space within the galaxy to have their own little mini society. Yeah. And, and that is strictly speaking, kind of untouchable. That, live and let live. Technically yeah. imp- technically impossible to censor them right and so you just urban basically cannot, have to bite the bullet that urban cannot banish evil right. from the world i'm sorry it's any any software project that purports to do so is lying to you totally but i like that you bite the bullet and i think that it, like that, that's just basically life that's yeah. that's the world that's society right yeah, like thanks. people yes in in, in society People unfortunately can do harm to each other, and you know all we can really do is uh, create a world where good 
is maximally enabled and maximally empowered. In general, people are maximally empowered and hope that whatever, you know, evildoers might be out there are, um, you know, going to be basically outcompeted by the the good doers, right? I mean, I guess you could make the argument that if it's a truly wild, crazy kind of uh, lying, manipulating type of thing, then they're probably not going to be able to be sustainable, right? So in, in a kind of evolutionary uh, game theoretic long run, they're going to exit the meme pool um, uh, e- eventually, right? So that's, you know, sort of a metaphysical that, that's question. One but I, yeah, I, I certainly, <laughs> I certainly, that's my perspective, right? It's just sort of like you cannot diverge from the, you know, will of heaven for very long without it biting you in the ass, I think, you know? And sort of like, I even think that, you know, people who try to end these things by themselves show like kind of like a lack of faith in their cause. You know, I I do think that for the most part, I think that, you know, if if something is, is, is wrong, is diverging from the, you know, the the Tao and just let it fucking fall apart. There's no reason to, you know, go in there and nuke them. Why? Let them nuke themselves. Right. Right. So I guess I have another, this is just a a very fascinating set of questions. So I'm also kind of interested in, are there vulnerabilities that the urban network faces vis-a-vis the current status quo powers, right? So is there, a lot of people like to kind of speculate about the the vulnerabilities of crypto, for instance, if Bitcoin becomes too fa- too valuable, are uh, the government's going to crack down on it? This is this is a very widespread viewpoint. Yeah. A lot of people think uh, the powers that be are just not going to let it get too powerful because it is fundamentally so disruptive. Yeah. A similar critique could apply to Urbit. People might think, oh, if this revolutionary new internet is uh, really going to take over, then surely the vested interests of the status quo will squash it before it before it's able to do so. How do you think about that possibility? Is that a live wire or is it not? And if not, then why not? So devil's in the details, of course, right? Um, It's an interesting question when you're analyzing a future conflict because you want to look at what are the actual mechanisms by which such a... um, I don't know what you would call it, is strike would be affected, right? Meaning it's sort of like, even the Bitcoin case, they're going to shut it down. Okay, how? But what are we talking about? When we're talking about shutting it down. What do we mean, right? How would they shut down 51%? I mean, how would they shut down enough nodes to make a difference? How would they blow? You know, we're talking about, are we talking about like making it illegal to own Bitcoin? It's like, how would they even enforce such a thing? You see what I'm saying? Sort of, you got to get right. really deep into it. And so and I think about that, Bitcoin will never be eliminated by the powers that be because, at least in the United States, because the, our financial system is already somewhat bought into it. And the financial system is part of who calls the shots and whether or not it's going to get shut down or not. So it's sort of like we've they've already committed the sin of mixing, right? It's sort of like a, 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 if you had a more enlightened state that was like, we don't have any financial incentives. We just look at what's good for our people, you know, then they'd be like, okay, they could judge Bitcoin on the objective measures of its threat to their rule, for example, right? But when you have, mm-hmm. you know, the Nancy Pelosi's of the world, who I'm sure own a little bit of whatever, you know, it's like, they're never going to shut it down because why would they, you know, this is, and this is the uh, 
has to do with the force that is eliminating you. Meaning it's like sort of like what what are their what are their motives? What are the sort of limitations of what they can enforce? Et cetera. So that being said, <clears throat> now that you understand my geotechno-political framework, um, it's like for Urbit, the question would be how would they how would they stop an Urbit? Well, they could take down all the galaxies, right? Um, all orbits run on physical locations, so they could just make it so you couldn't run a galaxy in the United States. Well, there's plenty of countries in the world, right? The 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 real probably the 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 if someone really was like no orbit, orbit is banned, right? Um, they would try to ban it at the networking level, meaning just like all traffic that looked like orbit, you can't you can't send it through an ISP. <coughs> which would suck. Um, the, so right now, so the, then the question is just like, how would they filter such a thing? How would they know? How would you take down Urbit without taking down the entire internet, right? It's so sort of like, yes, if someone's like, I will take down the entire internet to take down Urbit, well then, I mean, we're living in a fucking crazy, you know, that's, that's a crazy situation, right? So we got to ask ourselves, right. like, how would someone be able to take down Urbit, the entire Urbit network, without taking down the entire internet right they could of right. course take down all of ethereum and then our fucking pga wouldn't work but it's like what are the chances of that that goes into that other question of like how would you actually do such a thing and so right i think the question is like basically how would they filter networking packets such that they couldn't get through and that's an interesting question i mean like, i think that right now it's still um <clears throat> you can still do that you know, because those packets don't look like other packets. You know, I don't want to get into the technicalities, but it's like you can tell, oh, that's an urban packet, that's an urban packet, that's an urban packet, whatever. And so it's sort of like, but if this was going to become a real threat, then you could basically get rid of that difference. So it'd be very difficult to, to filter the traffic without um, basically turning off the internet entirely. That's my understanding of the situation. Okay, fascinating. Who knows? Ted yeah, and yeah. Joe might have some different things to say, but that's my understanding. Right. And I, I mean, I guess they could just try to say it's illegal to use, you know, Urbit, but then people without just enforcement, move to other countries. That, well, I mean, without enforcement, yeah, none of these, right. our, our, our current regime seems to forget that there's the enforcement part of the thing as well. And just passing a whole bunch of fucking laws that you have no capacity yeah. to enforce just makes you look like a clown. So it's sort of like, clearly we've, we've crossed that threshold, right? But it's sort of like that, the law itself, who cares, right? It's the yeah, enforcement. Yeah, totally. Well, this is this is fascinating. We've covered a lot of ground already. I wonder, is there anything else you want to communicate to people out there? Maybe engineers, potential founders, people, hackers, you know, creators, uh, investors, a lot of these people in my audience, um, you know, how they should think about Urbit. Like, for instance, um, you know, do you want to kind of make a pitch to to people who are thinking about building Web3 businesses or building communities or, or, or building uh, long-term projects on the internet? Like, how should they think about uh, the attractions of Urbit, but also how should they weigh those against some of the downsides of, of you know, building on a system that's early? Like who, what types of people would you like to hear from? What types of people yeah. do you think would be a good fit to actually start building on Urbit now? And how how would you think about that? So I think that the, the energy that I've always liked about Urbit that I think is really our biggest, you know, advantage. Um, is 
that this is this is the opportunity to to build a new world, right? This is not like an opportunity to make a few bucks in the old world. And so it's sort of like if you want to make a few bucks in the old world, well, I guess now become a epidemiologist uh, at BuzzFeed, you know. But it's sort of like there's plenty of ways if you want to make money a few bucks in the old world. But that's not how you build the new world. And so I think that the, it, it, to me, it almost goes without saying that there will be large financial, whatever, material upsides to being one of the builders of a new world. That seems like a big, well, I, you know, I, I mean, have you ever heard this term? You know what a nomothete is? No. Good, it's a good term. So nomothete is like someone who creates a way of life. Nomos in Greek is like law, but it means more than that, right? Um, so it's like lawmaker, but that means, but it means something more fundamental than that. So it's like Solon, hmm. Athens, Lycurgus and Sparta, Pythagoras, these, because they, they, they made a new way of life. It wasn't just like they did some shit in the old world. They made a new world, right? Lycurgus made hmm. Sparta, right? And so the question is like, did Lycurgus, I mean, assuming he existed, have material benefits? I mean, fucking probably. Right. But that was not the main thing. It's like you're living in a world that you made. Yeah. And that's that's worth yeah. more than material benefits. It's sort of like I think that there will be material benefits, but I, I think it's this whole venture appeals to people for whom the idea of like you cannot be free in this world that we have that exists around you. Do you want to be free? Well, the only way to be free is to participate in the creation of a new world. And a lot of that, you know, there's some of that that's like, you know, go into an island and like fucking, you know, whatever, like uh, Rufio and movie Pan, you know, but it's sort of like you could do that. But a lot of it's just like it, it's, it's more complicated than that. It's like divesting your mind from the present world, making sure that you have income from the future world and you can feel yourself moving out of that world and into a world where you are free. And so I think that like we've got a lot of stuff to do. You know, I, all kinds of shit to do. We, 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 every nicety about the old world, we can still, we can build, you know, and we can build it how we want to build it. And so I think I want to hear from people that for whom that's a compelling idea, because if you just want to make a few bucks, like I said, there's, there's other ways to make bucks. You can go sit on fucking sushi swap all day and just click buttons. So I think it's sort of like, <laughs> do that. Yeah. But you know, what I mean? so I'm like, I'm like that, that, and, 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 I don't want to say it's not a material thing. It's like I said before, I think there is a material aspect to that, but that's downstream from that. You can be a nomo thief of a new society. I mean, that's like, and what's great about urban is it's not one society, right? It's the ability to build all these different things. And so that's, I, I mean, yeah. for, for whom that is compelling, email me. Dude, that's awesome. That was fire. I'm, I'm hyped. Right, man, that's awesome. Dude, this conversation was great. We covered so much ground. Uh, thank you for being so generous with your time and, and your insights. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from hearing about some of the intricacies when it comes to building businesses, also how the Galactic Senate works, and um, you know, thinking about the, the next steps and, and who, who should be thinking about building on Urbit. This is awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, man. And yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to put links to your information in the show notes. If people want to reach out to Anthony, uh, just find that find that in the show notes i'll put more information about urbit the combine and how to how to connect with anthony so yeah thanks again anthony anthony this was awesome sure see you later 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You made it all the way to the very end, so you must really like the show. In that case, I would be super grateful if you'd be so kind to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is go to otherlife.co slash review. That's otherlife.co forward slash review. And it'll send you to Apple Podcasts. 